You're listening to episode 128 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. That silence you hear is a lack of fill. <laughs> uh, oh, I was I was just letting it sink in for a moment. Oh, is that a was that a pun? Ha! <laughs> no, I am I am <laughs> oh, not I nearly clever enough, Marco, to pull that it. off. Sean, you should have just rolled with it and be like, yes, I am a genius. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just don't like taking credit for things I didn't do, but that would have been good. Um, See, you know what, Sean? That is exactly why the wizard Shazam would choose you as his champion and not me. Ah. I would have taken credit for that joke. <laughs> well, maybe you're right, but speaking of Shazam, uh, we are going to be reviewing that good old movie today on the podcast. Uh, well, hopefully, Sean, Sean's already showing his cards. What you mean? You that good old movie? You've literally, oh. you have literally never said that at this point <laughs> in a review. Just you wait. <laughs> oh no. Um. Oh. We'll have a robust conversation about that movie in about oh I don't know two hours. Um, oh good. <laughs> <laughs> But we've got a lot to do before that. A lot to do. Um, And before we jump into all those things, I do want to let you guys know where you can find us. Uh, We are, big announcement, big, big time announcement, we are available on Spotify. Fine. Boom. They said it couldn't happen. Finally start getting some money in this bitch. Yeah, uh, huge, huge shout out to the main man, Marco for uh, making that happen. Thank you. I copied and pasted a link. Ah. <laughs> Listen, that's work, brother. Marco um, put down the bottle long enough to do it. That's the real, <laughs> the real thing. That's, that's the real victory. That's Heavy. the sacrifice that he made for this podcast. And of course, thank you to all the listeners. We you know, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. So I no longer have to dunk on Spotify every week. Um, <laughs> I was like, when, when Marco told me that, I was like, they must not have ever listened to our show because they wouldn't know that every week we call out Spotify. Yeah. I, think, I think because uh, because it took so long, I've got about a month left of global episodes where I'm still like, well, the pals still haven't figured out Spotify. We'll never <laughs> get there. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to look like a chump on your own show, man. <laughs> Dog. <laughs> that is the entire dynamic of that program. <laughs> so we're on Spotify, but I don't want to leave anybody out. We're also on SoundCloud. We're also on Apple Podcasts, all the other podcast hosting platforms. Kale, don't ask me to name three more. So go check us out wherever it is that you prefer to listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can catch us on the social medias. At the Comics Pals. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Always appreciate hearing from you fine people out there in the internet. And last but not least, if you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you very much. Make sure to leave us a like, drop us a comment, share this video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more awesome content. I do have a couple more uh, announcements and things to, you know, take care of here. Uh, number one, I want to say rest in peace to the video game pals. Mm. 
we haven't talked Andy about and it. Andy Thompson are dead. Well, you know, listen. The, at, at a certain point, you get so many concussions <laughs> that you can't function anymore. Yeah, man. It's just like they're – honestly, I feel bad about it because effectively we did to them what Vince McMahon has been doing to wrestlers for years. Oh, we my allowed God. Them to put their, we allowed them to put their bodies on the line for us week after week, and eventually they just gave out. And yeah, we don't, we're not giving them health insurance. We don't have that kind of money. They're contractors. They're contractors, exactly. Someone's been watching John Oliver. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, so – the video game pals is no more for the time being. It was a choice that we had to make. It's not a choice that we're happy with, but it is what it is. These things happen. Uh, definitely go and listen to the hundredth episode. It was a lot of fun to record, and um, it's not necessarily the end forever. So, if you were a fan of that show, reach out and let us know that so that we are encouraged to bring it back. And we also posted uh, a week-long sort of retrospective on the show. So all of our favorite episodes, all of those really cool episodes that we think you guys should definitely check out. Please go on our Instagram uh, and definitely go look at take a look back at uh, yeah, and Twitter and definitely take a look back at those uh, those highlights. I just want to say uh, I am listening to it right now, actually. And uh, the bracket system that you came up with for the uh, the the episode itself is uh, a definitive. Uh, what is it? Top three games. Yeah, we we decide the top three games of all time, but because it's like a March Madness style bracket that I did as a randomizer, mm. we have to like argue game versus game. So it's not like us actually voting on. Oh, we all picked three games. Here we go. Like you know, it's like it, it, we gamified it a little bit. So it's it's the it's the definitive in quotes top three list. <laughs> it's it's very good and very fun to listen to Thompson sweat. <laughs> he gets put on the spot in that episode so much he had to argue against some of his favorite games of all time <laughs> yeah i had a really really good time with that so you know go check that out i think it's worth the listen uh also I, go ahead i did just want to add to just one last thing on on that note is um that this is definitely not the last you'll see of andy and thompson they're still gonna be around you know even if uh you know, even while VGP is is away. So um, you can expect to see them in some more of our content uh, soon. Absolutely. Also, um, I did want to shout out the Shazam book club, which is out now. Hopefully hey. you had the chance to listen to that before seeing the movie. And also, of course, reading the book because um, definitely the book or the movie rather pulls from that book you can you can see it were they giving out comics at your movie theaters guys they were they were giving out uh an issue a single issue of the the jeff john's new 52 shazam oh right like, oh, really at my theater yeah that's cool it's mm-hmm. nice yeah it was like, like you, you got it with your ticket oh wow yeah it's huh. a good move i haven't i haven't tested this theory but i don't think i have to pay to go to movies here what? Uh, what? What? That's not how that works. They're, um, I mean, like, like they want you to for sure, but there's no one like handing out tickets or um, standing. Oh, is it all automated? Yeah. Oh, oh interesting. Shit. And you don't have to. You don't have to. Right yeah, yeah. You don't have to flash a ticket at a scanner or anything. So, um, of course, 
Of course, the American would come in and, and disrupt the European yeah. system. That's what yeah. I was going to say. They're <laughs> Europeans. They're like, oh, we're all too polite to do that. They're just waiting for some brash American to yep. get in there and just <laughs> abuse the system. Uh-huh. Do it, so man. how many movies did you see? Uh, seven. One nice. for each sin. That's right. Uh, I have a particular friend who enjoys, well, before he got the A-list through AMC, enjoyed paying for one movie and seeing every movie all day long. <laughs> Dude, that's a vet move. Like, if you can, if you have the stomach for it, yeah. I just could never do it. I, I just didn't want to, like, I don't know. I don't like to pirate. I don't like to do things like that. Yeah, I hear but, you. Um, Sean's a paladin. I get it. Yeah. I'm a little more roguish myself. So, I mentioned the Shazam Book Club. Uh, definitely go check that out. Also, want to mention that uh, Phil and I will be doing a WrestleMania special uh, through a series of events. I've always been going to WrestleMania. Uh, Phil's actually now coming with me to WrestleMania. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I ended up having a spare ticket and gave it to my boy. So we will be doing that. We'll try to do something fun for it. Um, but you guys can expect a a recap review probably Tuesday. So stay tuned for that if you're into wrestling. And then also on the book club front, uh, Infinity will be coming out April 19th. Yes. Uh, in preparation for Endgame. So get hyped, y'all. Right around the corner. Speaking of Endgame, there was a trailer that released and we're going to talk about that a little bit later but right here i want to ask you guys did you also go through hell trying to get tickets i haven't made the attempt so i don't i don't know if like i'm i don't know what that means for me (laughs) (laughs) like in all honesty i don't know what that means good luck just come to my house we'll walk right in (laughs) (laughs) uh it's funny for me it actually ended up being easier than i thought uh because so i I had made plans to go see the movie with uh, my girlfriend and her two roommates after, you know, obviously by that point, I'll have already moved to Philadelphia. So I was like, all right, I have to get tickets in the city, so I better actually buy them in advance. And the day that, like, the servers were all crashing and everything was all fucked up, like, I couldn't, um, like, solidify what time we wanted to go. So by the time I actually went to buy them, it was just like, boop, boop, easy. Oh, wow. Lucked out. I really lucked out. (laughs) Wow, uh, in New York, that doesn't work. <laughs> it is, it is a nightmare. Um, the AMC app was not working at all, all day, pretty much. Uh, there was a issue even with Fandango trying to get tickets. Um, I personally waited in an hour long queue on the Fandango website. I didn't even know they Good had Lord. That. So. I was pretty surprised, um, but I was able to get tickets. Not what I wanted. I wanted IMAX. Couldn't do it. Uh, they didn't have it, but I was able to score some pretty good tickets, and uh, I'm hyped. Yeah, I got screwed out of IMAX, too, from the wait. Like, we were going to do it, and then by the time we looked, there were just nothing but terrible seats, like, right up front at the bottom of the screen, you know? It's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I can see Ant-Man go up Thanos' butt from here. <laughs> I'd be the perfect seat in the house for that scene. Otherwise, not so great. Now, um, before we jump into everything else, I do have some words. Um, and uh, right now, I'm going to be talking specifically to Matt Murphy of The Long Box. Oh. oh. 
Um, so, all right, boys, sit back. <laughs> Watch. Get ready for fire. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna jump on the soapbox here because I do have some things to say. Um, I listened to the most recent episode of the Long Box. Um, I'll always plug you guys because you know I tend to like you. Um, and try not to disparage you on this podcast, but I did listen to the episode and, uh, Matt had some, you know, some words for us that weren't kind. And, you know, it's in that, it's in that style of like, oh, this is just, you know, this is a joke. This is a joke, but it's not a joke, you know? Um, and he said, uh, one of the things he said was Tyler, Tyler said that we had, we were reading infinity for our book club. And Matt goes, oh, they read? Matt, I I promise you that I own and have read more comics than you. I guarantee it as a fact. I can prove it to you, actually. I can show you my collection. My collection is massive. I've read every comic. And there's no way in the world that you have the experience in this realm that I have. I don't bloviate. And talk about all these cool niche comics that two people have heard of, like you do. But I guarantee you that I've read more books than you. Um, and then later on in the show, Tyler mentioned, oh, you know, I wish the Comics Pals liked Heroes in Crisis because they reviewed it and they like it. And he was saying how, you know, we, you know, we talked about maybe doing something together when that series ends because he has a different perspective and I you know we thought mutually that it'd be cool to get that since we don't like that that book on this podcast and Matt goes oh yeah you know I never make it to the main topic on that show and he says um yeah I uh I I look for the the pals polls and the questions and then I move on I can't I can't get through it that's cool man um I don't listen to your show at all the only reason I heard this was because somebody else mentioned that uh, you had said some bad things. Um, we're supposed to be friends, so I don't really understand why you would say something like that because it's not funny and it's not a joke. Uh, I already put you in your place the last time you were talking. I know that the video's not out, so you people at home can't see this, but I smacked the shit out of Matt in Smash Brothers and you know handled that. Um, really, really easily. And I thought that at that point he would realize that he's inferior to me. Um, but I guess he didn't. So <laughs> I'd rather not have to take the gloves off and have a more serious conversation about how I feel about this. But if you want to talk about us, let's be friendly. Um, if not, then the next time that I do this, I'm going to say things that you're not going to like. So I'd stop now. Thank you. I'm off my soapbox. Ooh, damn. It's times like these that I wish I had Phil to make a fart joke and cut the tension, but I don't, so... So Marco will just fart. I never thought I'd <laughs> wish for Phil to be here, but I, you know, right now, I guess I do. Well, you know, <laughs> I just I just don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. Um, when we see each other in person, it's never like that, right? So... Why, uh, why hide behind the microphone? You're gonna come. You're gonna come to Marco's house and break bread with us, Matt. 
and then like just throw shade bread, like that. Actual bread, toasted bread. Marco <laughs> cooked cooked bread for you. We broke it together and held hands while we did it. And, and here you and, are. And you prayed. <laughs> I think well, I, I think the thing that sucks the most about it is is that the the how many of us the seven of us in particular came from roughly the same place and started at the exact same place and grew out of that yeah and i think that's what's that's what sucks the most and i think i think it would behoove murphy to uh recall that and recall who is on his side whether or not he listens to the show yeah, exactly. And if that's how you, you know, I don't come on here and go, yeah, I never listened to that show. I did it there because I'm angry, obviously. But, um, you know, we, we promote. We promote. We You know, we cross-promote. That's what we're supposed to do. There's no need for our, for, you know, it's just nasty. It's not it's not funny and it's not cool. Um, and I am offended. And if we have to talk about it off off mic, we can. But uh, I, don't, I don't like it. And I chose to do it here because this is where you took it. Um, but... This show isn't about that. This show is about comics. So we're going to shift over and talk about our pals pulls. Uh, Marco, She Could Fly, The Lost Pilot, number one. She Could Fly is a series that came out of the Burger Book stuff. And when I first picked it up, uh, the first issue just like grabbed me, right? It's about, I got the first two and I just read those and I wanted to wait for the trade. And I knew that there was more coming out. So I wanted to sort of wait for all of that to be collected. Um, so this is essentially kind of like the second arc. Um, and the book is essentially about a, a young girl who is sort of a fan of this one superhero. And uh, she's out in the, the, the superhero is out in the city and is suddenly like killed. And it's assumed it's like a suicide. And there's this whole like mystery around it. And, and the girl is trying to like dive deeper and deeper into this mystery and get go deeper and deeper into this hole. Um, and so this is sort of the continuation of what that is and, and the events that come out of that first arc or that, like that first run in series. So it's a really interesting book. It's kind of a psychological superhero story. It's written by Christopher Cantwell and the artist is Martin Marazzo. And I actually got, uh, my copies of, uh, number one and two, she could fly uh signed by him so that was a really cool experience i got to chit chat with him he's an italian artist he's really really cool in the style of a like a frank quietly but maybe a little Mm. bit more um refined in the inking not as loose interesting interesting really really good art and uh, the story is the story is cool that sounds cool i'm into that awesome man glad to hear that burger books is putting out you know quality stuff yeah and it's it's like right down my alley for a lot of it yeah, I'll definitely have to check that one out. How about Alienation? So Alienation is a graphic novel by Mexican artist, artist writer Inez Estrada. Uh, and she kind of just popped out of, uh, I'm not super familiar with her work, but I do follow a lot of the Fantagraphic stuff. And this is a book that comes out of that. Hmm. And um, I don't know, her art style is very... It looks like watercolor mixed with some Copic, Copic art. I mean, Copic markers potentially, and uh, it's just really intriguing and inst- interesting. And it's something that I've been trying to explore more, like more Latin American art and more uh, more of that kind of stuff. So, uh, I want to read you guys the the premise. 
because it's kind of it's kind of interesting um drawn in hazy gray pencil and printed in blue ink alienation focuses on elizabeth an erotic dancer in cyberspace and carlos just fired from the last human staffed oil rig they attempt to keep their romances their romance alive the couple is anxious about dangerous cyber stalkers and malfunctioning brain implants called google glands but they also can't forget to go grocery shopping and fix their spotty internet service when the realization <laughs> hits that their bodies are full of artificial organs and they live almost entirely online. They begin to question what they what being human actually means. Do our ancestral or even animal instincts eventually kick in, or are we transcending the limits of our bodies? So that sounds kind, awesome. Kind of in the realm of like cyberpunk, but uh, a lot of what is touched upon in like Transmetropolitan or something, where like the human aspect and and the technology that gets implemented, that kind of stuff. So. Uh, down my alley really weird the art style is super unique uh so check it out and support you know hispanic artists and and uh, latinx artists i i i think that's really interesting too just because i um like when you were you know describing some of the like kind of slice of life elements to it mm. as well i'm like oh this is exactly like uh, this is like a very like you and me kind of book where it's like yeah. oh yeah like it's set in this weird like slightly dystopian future but also it's about grocery shopping and love right it's like <laughs> it, it's kind of like a like a snot girl in the sense that it's about you know a fashion blogger living her life but there's like a murder mystery underlying everything yeah yeah so kale chose war of the realms journey into mystery number one so i have no um attachment to jason aaron's thor run or this event um i'm choosing this book solely because it's being written uh by the mcelroy family um oh right i i believe that all all four of them the three brothers and their dad are 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 doing the dialogue and everything and they're all writing it together but it's just is the dad clint that's listed um um, so I'm really excited to to see them make their uh, uh, Marvel debut. They did a, a really cool bit when this uh, when this tie-in was announced uh, on their show about like uh, working in an office with Wolverine and like the uh, the uh, 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 the HR problems that would uh, uh, come from that. Anyway, it was really funny. That's um, funny. Really looking forward to see. I believe uh, Miles and Kate Bishop are in this book as well, um, and it's got kind of a um, uh, three men and a baby feel to it. Is 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 what I understand. So, um, yeah, awesome, very very cool. That fun. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that story, how this book's going to fit into the wider war of uh, realms, yeah. but uh, still. Really awesome. Five issues, I think. So it nice. It it very well may not. It may be, it may be its own thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, um, a lot of tie-ins these days at Marvel, I feel like, are ancillary for the most part. So it it very very well may not have a ton to do with everything, but still cool. Um, yeah, it's always cool to see uh, digital creators kind of get to dip their toes in the traditional world like obviously these guys have a real following that you know could potentially bring some new eyes to marvel so uh it seems like a mutually beneficial partnership for sure 
For sure. I hear that. Um, so I chose low 21. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll, you'll probably know that low is my favorite comic book whenever it, it's coming out. Um, it, it doesn't ship regularly. It's, um, it's Rick Remender and Greg Ticini and, uh, they've, they've gone through a lot as far as like, um, and Dave McGag, by the way, I don't want to forget his name, uh, because he is extremely important to this book too. Uh, it's a three man wrecking crew. Um, uh, this book I think is the most underrated comic that I've ever read. And I don't even like that terminology, underrated, overrated. I think it's overused. But this book, nobody talks about it, and it really, really is incredible. And uh, um, I think, I, I wish that more people were reading it. I'm pretty sure that it's going into its last arc right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's it's very, very much worth your time and your read. It, 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 it changed the way that I think in some ways. And it really hits you in a way where it makes you evaluate yourself. And it makes you evaluate the way you see the world. And not a lot of media can do that. So, I thought you were going to say that you were going to say this book is super underrated. And I don't even like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely worth your time. Are they, are they ending it by choice or is this a, a sales thing? Do you know? I don't, uh, I don't believe that, I think that, that of all recommenders books, this is probably the one, like, that's been released since he left Marvel, or in that time frame, uh, this is probably the one that has been the least successful, because I know that Tokyo Ghost had a following, Deadly Class is what it is, obviously, um. Aren't they adapting Tokyo Ghost, too? I've seen stuff about that, yeah. Um, this is the one that again no one really talks never like popped off yeah it flies under the radar yeah but it but it really is tremendously good i read it when it was like first coming out and i remember it i was interested in it and then i think the irregular publishing is what lost me like i read the first arc like in college you know and then was like oh this is cool and then like i think i just forgot about it kind of you know and like you said no one really talks about it you know yeah it's a big bummer um Maybe one we day like, uh, we can book do club it. Or something. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Uh, issue twenty-one is the one that's dropping. Um, so it's a little long. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll get around to that one day. Uh, very very good though. So uh, let's jump into the news. Um, we're gonna talk about Avengers, the the Avengers Endgame uh, third trailer. Now originally I didn't even want to talk about this because this trailer. Neither did Kale. Well. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're if you're looking for me to say something about it, I have nothing to say. I didn't watch it. That's fair because I didn't want to. Like, I watched it because I thought, oh, it's probably just gonna be uh, a recycling of old footage, like stuff we'd yeah. already seen. Yeah, I didn't realize they were gonna show uh, everything that they showed, and I'm pretty. I was pretty frustrated by that. Um, oh. I actually forgot to watch it, and I'm glad I did now that you said that, because I really don't want to have anything spoiled for me. Well, then, did they blow their load? Sorry? 
they blow their load on this? Um, it, in in certain ways, I I mean, if you guys don't want to watch it and don't want to talk about it, then I don't know how to proceed. Uh, <laughs> just tell us how you're feeling. <laughs> just have a therapy session. What did Marvel do to you, Sean? I mean, I watched it and I was just kind of like, ah, I really, I really didn't want to see that i really didn't Did want it, like to. spoil a couple of moments or something like yeah stuff you would have just rather have seen on the screen yeah absolutely the, the the thing about it though is that it's hard to say what isn't like what's real because marvel with this one definitely have been playing things close to the vest and we know that they're willing to digitally alter scenes to avoid spoilers so it's hard when you watch this trailer it's it's hard to say like what you're really seeing and prior trailers taken into the context of this new one the meaning of what you're watching changes so it's actually very very interesting um but there are definitely i, I mean there are definitely things we see that i i could have done without um that's upsetting yeah, and and look, it's twenty days out from from when we're doing this podcast, and they didn't show anything that we don't know is going to happen. They didn't show anything that's that's a big surprise. Everything they showed is is very obviously what we will be seeing. After that last trailer, I kind of just wish that they had just stopped, just because like it's like already like selling out everywhere. Like you're fine, people are they know about the movie, but it's like. I feel like there was a couple moments in the last one that I wish that they hadn't shown us, you know, because like they have been playing things so close to their chest and like, like showing like just the best example for me was like the lineup, right? When they're all walking in the suits and you see Tony and Nebula there. So it's like, oh, so Tony survives. And like, yeah, we know he's going to survive, but don't show me it in the trailer. Am I, am I having deja vu? I swear to God, I talk about this every time we see trailers. Sure. Trailers, trailers are, you know, frustrating for this reason, um, and and I would say that Disney and Marvel, you know, in particular, have been pretty good about not showing too much in their trailers. And okay, shut up. I just watched it. Okay. So, um, <laughs> hot takes. I see where you're coming from, Sean. Yeah. Uh, uh, like they do not tease out a mystery here. It's. They just give it to you flat. Like, this is what's going to happen. And yeah, I could have definitely done without this. But I watched it. So Damn, now that was I'm definitely my mistake. not going to watch it. I was about yeah. to do the same thing that Marco did. And then he's just like, I definitely would have not watched it. Okay. See, All right. See, the thing, the thing is that I think that we're wrong. It's just that I don't know. So what I... You're getting faked out? Yeah. Like, I've read... So, okay... A lot of a lot of Avengers Endgame stuff has come out in the last week. They released this trailer alongside the announcement of tickets on sale. They always do that. So this was just a short little trailer just to get you hyped to go buy tickets. Guarantee that we didn't need that, but that's their process. That's what they always do. Um, now, uh, CinemaCon actually uh, happened this week as well. And at CinemaCon, they showed more footage. They showed, like, a whole scene. Oh. So we know 
a little bit more about the movie based on that even. And the trailer doesn't show you anything that the wonder that the CinemaCon footage doesn't say. So you would have needed to avoid the trailer and then the CinemaCon breakdown as well to completely go blind this week, which is tough to do. Um, but I'm very confident right now that everything that we have seen is the first hour of the movie. I'm really, really confident. You think? Yeah. I, I don't believe Dude, that... there's three fucking hours of this movie. Because... You know how easy it would be to do that? <laughs> look, I'm not saying anything that you guys don't already know. They, they, yeah, they've, no, they've teased it in the, in the trailers already that the Avengers... In some in some way, want to get back at Thanos and and you know fix this, right? You guys are aware of that, right? Okay, I don't believe that that is what this movie is about. Like, not exactly. I don't believe that that the final encounter or whatever is going to be with Thanos. I don't believe that. I believe that that's actually going to be. Even if that is, we will see them have an encounter very early and every single ounce of footage we have seen is from that. That's what I believe. I buy that. I do. That's interesting. Like like based off of what I just saw also, I think that makes sense. I just don't see and they obviously haven't teased this out, like what the next like two hours would be or like the next hour and a half. Fucking time like, travel, man. But like but <laughs> then reality it, bending stuff. So an industry uh, insider who um, allegedly is is somebody to be believed, someone to be trusted, has already seen the movie. And the person goes unnamed, so I can't personally speak to their credibility, but nobody is discounting this take. He says that, or they, I should say, say that the second half of the movie is mind-blowing. That, it, that it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And I... I'm inclined to believe that. I'm inclined to believe that there, there are things in this movie that we're not expecting, that we don't know are coming and that are going to blow us away. I just, and, you know, I say this every time there's a trailer, just stop telling me shit. Let me go into the movie and let me watch it. <laughs> like, if you if you want to hype it that much, like, like, you know, they announced it and tickets sold out in a half a second. Like, uh, why Why do you want to hype it this much when there's already 20 years worth of hype behind it? Yeah. I just, I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> like, let the product stand for itself. At this point, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think, like, I, there's a case to be made... When you're trying to sell someone on like an unknown quantity, but like this is the fucking fifth Avengers movie, right? Like, <laughs> so I, I feel like we get it. Like I'm hype. I'm already in. Like let's go. I bought a ticket already. Like I don't. I don't need anything else. I'm in. Yeah, I I, I definitely I, as much like I'm. De- I definitely would rather have not seen this than seen this. But at the same time. This trailer got my gears turning so much that since I already watched it, all I want to do is talk about it, right? Um, yeah. But, you know. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's a. I have a lot of things to say about this. I mean, a lot happened. Like, 
a, in the trailer. Yeah, a lot happened, but nothing happened. And right, like that, that, I feel like that's where I'm at. Where like a lot happened, but nothing happened that we don't already necessarily know or can expect is not going to. Right. Like so, I don't think that this. Like I, in that context, like I, I had thought that you know that was the ultimate goal. Like what they showed here would be the ultimate goal of the movie. But in the context of the next, to what that executive said, two hours would be something else that's mind blowing, or not necessarily something else, but something that's mind blowing and something that we didn't see coming. In in that context, I think then, like I don't even know what to to think because the premise of the movie I thought was just encapsulated in this trailer. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it is. That's the crazy part. I right. I don't think it is. They didn't even show the. Um, this is not a spoiler. They didn't even show the suits. You know the white suits. Oh, that's right. Right. And huh. so that I'll just leave it there. Like, there's a lot absent from this trailer, and I believe that this movie has a lot more in store than we realize. Do you, have you guys heard what I think is one of the most compelling pieces of evidence for the whole time travel? Uh, reality bending element to it. Go ahead. Uh, there in the first two trailers, right? There are I want to say it's either two or three different hairstyles for Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. And like, I don't know because it's like there's her. Obviously, we've seen her with the blonde hair. I think there's also her with long red hair and her with short red hair. Um, so I, I feel like maybe the longer, like if it's like the curls, it could be, we're talking as far back as like Iron Man two. If it's just like the straight be civil war, like there's like that, that's like the one thing that like seems to show where the characters are in a timeline changing, you know, cause physically most of them look pretty similar, you know? Like, except for when Cap has his beard, like, otherwise he's kind of always the same. So it's like, that's been the most interesting visual piece of evidence, I think, for, like, what Sean's saying of that, like, maybe the kind of, like, bout with Thanos is, like, the ramp up to the, you know, like, real meat of the movie. And then, like, they really dive into the whole, like, all right, now we're going to try to, you know, set everything back to normal, you know? Yeah, um, so I've considered the the Black Widow hairstyle thing, and I think that um, that's actually got more to do with showcasing the passage of natural time, because... Um, you mean moving forward? Yeah, so like, in, in Infinity War, she has the white hair. I believe that that was done because she, um, you know, she's a spy, right? Um, and I think that a part of this movie probably takes place closer to the end of Infinity War because we also see sure, yeah, yeah. Tony Stark in space, and we all we understand he would have died if if he were it's out like there years later. Right, exactly. So I think that there's some passage of time that happens, and then we see them again, and at that point, she probably has a different hairstyle. Because what's the deal with? Because I think we know this already. The scenes with her and Cap and Ant-Man's at the door. How many... Is that months or years later? Uh, I'm not I'm not positive. Okay. Because I know it's some amount of time later. They're talking about, you know... 
oh, this happened and we don't forget and we don't give up. And then he shows up and they're like, oh, fuck. Right. He's still alive. Exactly. Like, I I think that there is some some significant passage of time that will explain some of that stuff. Um, They also have to tell us what the hell Ant-Man was up to. Like, how he uh, got back. I think we know. I don't. Th- I don't even think that's in question. He was. I think he used the quantum realm. Right, but I mean, like the specifics of that. I guess. <laughs> but like, was he? <laughs> no, like he definitely did. But I just mean, like, what? Like how? And what are the? Yeah, but like of that? you know, was he? Was he though? <laughs> let's let's move on. We do have a lot of things to discuss here. Obviously, um, you know. An Avengers trailer is monumental, just in and of itself. But let's let's bring the movie on already, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, in the spirit of moving things along, let's do a uh, let's do a five by five. Ooh, yeah. Let's do let's do oh. a five by five. Let's clear through some of this news, and uh, let's have a little bit of fun while we do it. For those of you who are God on, damn from- it! And here I thought I'd get a word in. Oh, well, Phil's not here. So you just me and Kale this week. <laughs> uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, 5x5 five five is a game, essentially, that we play where we have five minutes to talk about five news items, and um, anyone can say pass. If enough people want to pass on a news item, we'll move on to the next one, and the goal is to cover all of the news items and have a healthy discussion within the allotted time. And this is an uh, effort to keep the show shorter. So we all win. You guys ready? Yep. Yep. All right. Here we go. Begin. The New Mutants is still reportedly coming out in theaters this year. At CinemaCon during DisneyCon's panel, uh, Disney revealed the remaining theatrical releases that they have. And among them was the New Mutants. What do you guys Mm -hmm. make of it? I can sum it up in two words. Bullshit. Pass. (laughs) Well, Marco stepped on my bit, and I was going to make a similar joke, so pass. Two for two. <laughs> Kale? Uh, I, that's wild. <laughs> that's all I have for that. Like, of, of, the, of the Fox slate of movie, movies, that's the one I would give the time of day to. Um, I can't believe it's still coming out. That's wild. All right. Uh, Todd McFarlane officially announced that Jim Lee will be returning to Image to draw for the 300th issue of Spawn. Uh, Todd McFarlane took to Twitter to showcase some really awesome Spawn art and make the announcement that Jim Lee would be returning. How cool is that? I think it's cool that he's been working on it since he (laughs) was last on Spawn. (laughs) Since he was last at Image. Uh, Jim Lee has a history of drawing for the milestone issues of Spawn. He drew for 150, 200, skipped 250, but is here for 300. So he's had 100 issues to work on this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, the image that, that Todd shared on his Instagram is yeah. awesome. Like, it's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, I just, like, it's funny, man, because, you know, I, I, I was a fairly edgy teenager, but even like me at sixteen, um, I I couldn't get into Spawn because it was too edgy. So uh, it looks dope, but I I think the art is probably the the most I'm gonna get out of it. 
Yeah, this is neat, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to pick it up. I think Spawn is awesome. I love the HBO Spawn television series. I think everyone should watch that. I even love the movie. So I'm hyped. The movie is fun. It's not good, but it's 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 a class. It's like a cult classic. Yeah. All right. Sean, did you ever play Spawn Armageddon? We don't have no. this time. It's five minutes. Ooh, what go. is that? It, it was a Xbox original and PS2 and GameCube game. I got to Is it good? No, wait. We're running out of time. Pass. Okay, 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 okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Eric Larson is returning to Marvel after 17 years. He's going to be drawing some stuff for them uh, in the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics and says that the characters that he will be drawing were all created before him. Eric Larson was born in 1962, so, you know, that gives you an idea of the types of characters he'll be drawing. He is most associated with Spider-Man. Savage Dragon. Cool, I guess. (laughs) Pass. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of Larson's art. And uh, it'll be cool to see, like, who he's going to, you know, who he's going to take a stab at. Looking forward to a Savage Dragon Spider-Man crossover. <laughs> All right. Uh, Doomsday Clock number 10 has been pushed back six weeks. Oh. Why? Yes. <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> it was originally supposed to have come out on March 27th. The book is now releasing on May 8th. Damn, uh, six teardrops, guys. We, ju- <laughs> we just read nine, is that right? Yeah. So we Damn. so we don't have Ten another one for nine. a while. Yeah, we won't have another one uh, for a, an entire month, actually. Uh, this is weak. So th- Stop breaking my heart. We can finish Heroes in Crisis and be mad about that one until minute. Doomsday Clock. All right. The cult classic Akira... Akira. Akira, I'm sorry. Uh, is being uh, is the movie is being made. Uh, Taika Waititi is directing, and Leonardo DiCaprio is producing. Marco, is this a good thing? Um, Leo producing. Uh, if he's financially backing it, then sure. If he has some kind of creative development into it, I don't know his passion for this project. Uh, and Taika Waititi is an awesome director. He has his stuff in, you know, some horror things. He, he obviously is good with his sci-fi. Uh, as to whether or not you can bring to life a movie like Akira, I, that's questionable in, in general. Like, it's it's an aesthetic that is made for anime, and I don't know that. I don't know that it's, it's going to be possible. Any other thoughts? Uh, I think Taika has uh, a healthy respect for the book, and he'll do mm-hmm. the very best Time. he can. Time. Could be good. All right. <laughs> we, we, we almost accomplished it this time around. Almost. Good That's stuff. That's fine. I, Marco got to talk about it. Who else needed to say anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You guys wasting my time on Eric Larson. Eric Larson. That was the spot. Oh, is that what it was? All right, there you go. That was my bad. <laughs> you got me hyped. You're like, yo, what? What's that? Tell me all about it. I, we got five minutes. <laughs> I read, I read three of the the Spawn Origin uh, collection things, and I, if I can help it, I will never touch another Spawn comic. <laughs> Were they bad? They weren't great. Oh. They weren't great. I would not Spawn, recommend Spawn it. Spawn is not a kale book. I, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's. 
I think Todd McFarlane is not a Kale author. Mm. Yeah, I, I would. I, in general, like he's like he's got a very edgy kind of like aesthetic, and I it's not really your vibe. I like I like the art, and I like like the subject matter, but his he's wordy and like woefully unnecessarily wordy. Um, I like I would flip through the pages, and it would be like full of caption boxes and it's like it's it's worse than Bendis speak i don't know how he doesn't have a a a meme attached to his name like that like it's because people think of him as an artist more than a writer yeah yeah Yeah. i think that's correct and his art's good (laughs) um so let's talk about the the suicide squad not suicide squad 2 the suicide squad Obviously, this is the film that James Gunn will be directing. Um, And there was a lot of movement with this movie this week, actually. The bombshell, I think, is that uh, Idris Elba is not playing Deadshot. Oh, is Will Smith back? No. No, that's the interesting thing. Deadshot is not in the movie. Uh, Oh. Originally, Idris Elba was supposed to be playing Deadshot, but after some conversations... um, it was decided that uh, they should keep Deadshot off the table, in part as to not completely eliminate Will Smith, um, but also because I think uh, James Gunn wants to, you know, sort of put his own stamp on the on uh, on this film and not necessarily tread every single new ground or um, old ground. I think that's a really good move, honestly, because. Wasn't the whole thing with Will Smith, it was like a, it, it wasn't like he didn't want to do it, it was like a conflict, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, why would you write out Will Smith when you have Will Smith? You know, like, he's a bankable star, and when people look, you know, like, until Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad was, like, arguably in the conversation for, like, it was like, it was okay-ish, like, there were things about it that kind of worked, you know, um, and I feel like Margot Robbie and Will Smith were both like w- one of those things, you know. So, like, if you can get Will Smith back in the future, especially when you've got the ship righted and he can slide into a franchise that's working and, you know, add his star power to the equation. Like, that's, you know, I think you'd be kind of stupid to write him out if he doesn't want to get out where and the, there's no shortage of other characters that you can bring up you know, from the fucking B, C, D list and let Idris Elba make them a fucking name. Yeah. You know, and like that is also, uh, there's reward in that because you keep Will Smith in play, you get to make James Gunn happy because he gets to play with a bunch of characters that people aren't as familiar with and don't have thoughts about and you potentially bring a bunch of characters that nobody gives a shit about to the forefront and you get to fucking start printing money because people think they're cool in the same way that James Gunn did with the modern Guardians characters. They were all C-list at best until yeah. he came along. You know, they could easily pull the same thing off here. I I, I agree with that. I think like to your point, let's not kick out Will Smith of his game, and at the same time, like yeah, like exactly what James Gunn did with with uh, with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like let's bring out a, a a name that isn't necessarily super we're super familiar with just introduces to that and and it also brings like an 
an extra flavor to like the world right because it's like oh there's other stuff here there's like other ways we can explore this and ideally that also leads potentially if james gunn james gunn doesn't continue as a director for like a third movie let's say it at least paves the way for other directors or writers to to work with other characters and and explore continue to explore that world yeah you have a toy box set up that somebody else can potentially come exactly. along and, and, and pick up. Yep. I, I've i been thinking a lot about who they would get Idris Elba to play now that he's not yeah. playing Deadshot. I was wondering if you were going to come with thoughts on that because you're just so much more familiar with the DC rogues gallery than me. You know, I'm, I was like trying to rack my brain because it's like, I mean, it could really be anybody, you know, like. So he's still attached to the project, just not as Yeah, he's Deadshot? definitely in oh, it. He's okay, just not okay. going to be Deadshot. Got it. The thing is that Idris Elba is a, is a pretty big star. Uh, I could see them just swapping out Will Smith for Idris Elba. I mean, they're both black. You know, they're both stars. I get it. Question. Is somebody attached to play Deathstroke? Yeah. Yeah, is it? Uh, is Joe it? Joe Mangiello, however you say his name. Because I because I know he was in that scene, but he was like in costume, so I didn't know if that was like a Thanos at the end of Avengers situation where like no, mm. okay, all right, so it can't be him. Yeah, uh, Catman. He, that was my immediate thought. Kill was Catman. get that uh, um, get that right, uh, yeah get that pseudo Batman thing. Yeah, make uh, make Catman an actual cool name. I think it kind of has to be Catman because... That's the only one that makes sense. Right. And when you look at the list of reported characters that he was going to use, they're all like Z-list. Not that Catman is like some big character, but I feel like there's enough there Yeah, where you could take him and do something. Like you can't make Idris Elba Kite Man. You know, or <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine if he just Elba played fucking kite man and he just plays it's like super straight? Like, I mean, it's like <laughs> I mean, from what I understand, Tom King has made Kite Man a legitimate sympathetic villain. He's not even a villain though. He's like a goon, like a like a goofy guy. He 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 he's kind of transcended the idea of villain or hero. He's just a guy. Who's caught up in the mix of bad stuff that happens because he wants to feed his family and he's kind of like a sad boy, like which is everything Tom King does anyway. Um, but but Kite Man isn't really relevant. He's often just the butt of a joke. Um, yeah, more like a more like a Seth Rogen character. Sure. <laughs> um, I I don't know. God damn it, Kale! I thought we were gonna get away from that bullshit without Phil this week. <laughs> <laughs> It's not even a joke. <laughs> I, I think I think though that Catman is probably the correct answer when it comes to who Elba will be playing. What is also interesting about this movie, what we've learned, is that uh, Viola Davis is absolutely back as Amanda Waller. Um, we will see uh, Jai Courtney return as Captain Boomerang. I didn't like his Boomerang. I wasn't in love. He uh, he's very uh, molestery. No, not a fan. Wow. I feel like he didn't have very much to do, and the script didn't do him any favors either, though. Yeah. So like, I I in in different hands, I it could be all right. 
but we also there there's also a rumor floating around uh, that people are claiming is official that uh, uh, Joel Kinnaman will be back as Rick Flag. Oh shit! I'm okay with that. <laughs> I did not like that character at all. I think it was the same kind of deal though. Like I don't I don't think it was the actor who was the problem. I think it was the script. Uh, and no, I don't. I, I didn't like the actor. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like I didn't. I didn't have a strong feeling about him one way or the other. I just feel like his character felt like very flat. So it's like, you know, again, like in the hands of a better writer director, like, you know, he might be fine. I like Joel Kinnaman. Uh, he was on House of Cards, and I, I liked him there. Um, he's just, you know, he's he's solid, uh, you know, central casting type guy, I guess. But um, I don't know that Suicide Squad was doing anybody, but. Uh, Harley Quinn or Deadshot any favors so it's so hard to evaluate and even them <laughs> it, it's so hard to evaluate some of those performances because it's like what what would what would this film look like if you had a James Gunn would, could he get something out of these actors what was what was the demand from them you know because I believe that Will Smith's Deadshot could have been something great like it wasn't even bad it was it was solid but it, c- it could have been a lot better if you give him a director who's i don't know i don't want to sit here and disparage the right like it, it, it the movie obviously had a certain way it was trying to go i don't think that was the right direction if you give it better you can totally blame the director because yeah. it was also like a, it was a, the movie was a camel it was made by a committee and like they didn't they half committed to his vision and half tried to make it suicide squad or um, not Suicide Squad, Guardians of the Galaxy. So you got something that was neither. And even and even still, like of the the DC movies pre Wonder Woman, like that one uh, is probably the strongest. Ooh, I think so. I, I I don't I don't think so. You're a Man of Steel fan, so yeah. But you, if you think that Suicide Squad is a better movie than Man of Steel, you're on crack. Because Suicide Squad has no villain. Like, the villain is complete. Uh, uh, oh, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Suicide Squad has no villain. Suicide Squad is a hodgepodge mess. It has too many characters. It has no clear direction. It, 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 that movie is a mess. It's, it's fun to watch, but not because it's good. Man of Steel, you might not like some of the choices overall. But technically speaking, that movie is good. Technically speaking, you don't have to like that Superman kills. There's certain I get it, but that movie is not a bad movie. Huh? Agree to disagree, I guess. I'm... Oh my god, cool. <laughs> Kale, Kale, if you get the chance, watch both of those movies. No, see, of course, of course. I, I think that that would be a worthwhile experiment. We'll watch them both back to back and do a podcast. Yeah, uh, th- there's not, no not way. With me. There's there's no way. I mean, look, on 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 Rotten Tomatoes, Man of Steel, fifty six percent, Suicide Squad, twenty seven percent. Oh, it's like it's like which of these juicy turds is better? <laughs> fifty six is miles better than twenty seven, my friend. You're right. It still tastes like corn. Wow. All right. All right. Uh, so the 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 saga continues with Suicide Squad. 
Um, hopefully, the next time that we talk about this, we have a, an actual announcement of the full roster. Now, let's talk about the Joker trailer that was released this week that has, I think, people um, a buzz. There was there was a lot of question. There were a lot of question marks about this movie prior to seeing this. Like, is it going to be good? What the hell is this? Um, what can we expect? And I think this trailer gives us a better picture of that. Did you guys like this? I did. Yes. Yeah. Very I, I, much so. I'm yeah. I'm with Marco. I was a big fan of this. Um, I think I was definitely one of the ones on the show. Like when they first announced it, where I was like pretty like eh, I don't feel like we need this. Like. But I felt like the more that we learned about it, the more I saw a path where, like, it could be good. You know, Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor. It's got a solid team behind the scenes. Like, there was definitely potential. But seeing this first trailer, it gives me a really good idea of what their vision for the movie is and what, like, the tone and style of it are going to be. And I, it seems appealing. Man, me and Phil were on this day one, and I... Uh... It looks good, like, since the sort of the, the test, not the test footage, yeah, the test footage, like, the initial images, like, there was, I don't know, something I, I felt like about it in the way that it looked like it was being executed that gave off, uh, I don't know, it was a, it was a different sort of film tonally, it looks like, like it's going to be, in, in as compared to a... I don't know. Uh, I'm not gonna say Man of Steel. What's the other one? Batman versus Superman, or a Justice League, or an Aquaman. Like it's it's taking a different route, um, just based off the trailer. It feels like and dirtier. Yeah. If yeah, like super like it, it. It reminded me of the the Christopher Nolan sort of style in in terms of like the scenery, but not in the way that it was lighted. Like it was dark and grimy, but it wasn't it wasn't overcast with like yeah. this gloom. Yeah, yeah, because, like, even, like, the Nolan trilogy is, like, sleek. You know, like, it's dark, it's gritty, but it's not, like, like, this feels like it, ha like, I used the word dirty before because it, like, it feels like it's more not grounded in, like, a realistic or human way, but grounded in, like, a it has, like, a, um... I, the aesthetic was very cohesive all around. And and it, the, that aesthetic was... Like it, it was a grimy city that felt lived in, and like you could tell the character from the city. It's got I like a noir like. kind of vibe, you know. Like, sure. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm into it. Very cool. Yeah, I I really liked it. Um, it's it, it's it's interesting because it's it's it doesn't even feel like it's a super. I mean, this isn't a superhero movie, right? Like it it. It seems like it's a movie more about like mental illness and real human core stuff that I'm I'm kind of excited to see a movie about in a weird way. Um I'm I I have a theory though. I, I don't know the validity of this and this may be absolutely crazy. I'm thinking that he's not the Joker. Oh, interesting. Huh. Uh, expound. In the comics, um, there's like the, the Red Hood gang, right? And they all wear this helmet and stuff. Um, and in one of the Joker's many possible origins, uh, he inadvertently ends up joining this group. And, you know, 
that's how he becomes the Joker. So I'm wondering if this this character uh, that that uh, Joaquin Phoenix is playing, Arthur Fleck, is a depressed, mentally ill person who does have a love for comedy and all that kind of jazz, and ends up sort of falling into the madness that is being unleashed by this Joker gang who wear face paint and whatever, and that he's one of several people doing this. The movie follows him, but the Joker is a character in the movie that doesn't really have, like he's not the focus of the movie, but he's present, and his presence is felt more in the actions that, more in the way that the city is falling apart and how it's affecting Arthur Fleck than he actually is a physical presence. You, so you mentioned the the Joker gang. I don't I don't remember seeing like other people necessarily dressed up like that. Were, were those like the kids that attacked him in the, with the in the first set of trailer or the, the first like promotional images or whatever? There was that big uh, clown attack on the subway or whatever. Right. Oh. Yeah, and I think the assumption there was that you know he has a gang at that point, but okay, it could be I, I that he's one of the rank and file. I've always been about the Joker gang. I've liked that as a as a concept, uh, especially since the, the Batman cartoon. Beyond stuff. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like and and so I I like that concept. I think it's interesting. Um. But I don't know. We'll see. It's it, it it's a cool it's a cool theory. Uh. I'm interested to see if it plays out. Either way, I think it's gonna be good. Like this this trailer showed a lot of promise. I think. Did you guys notice Joaquin Phoenix? Like forcing a smile on a young Bruce Wayne's face, yeah, creepy, yeah. very creepy. What? How do we know that was Bruce? I didn't catch that. Well, I mean, it's an assumption, but he's behind a gate, and you know, Bruce Wayne lives in Wayne Manor, Wayne which is Manor, gated and sure. stuff like that. So maybe that's a leap, but um, I just got that impression. I like cool. the uh, the the creepy factor of a lot of what he was portraying, like that smile. He's just pulling his his cheeks apart, yeah. like awesome, very um, unsettling. The other thing I noticed, and this is a very like nothing point, but um, uh, what's his name? Brett Kavanaugh, I believe, is the actor who is playing um, uh, Thomas Wayne. No, Wait, that's not, not Brett Kavanaugh. The, that's, uh, you think that's the, uh, the justice guy? That's the yeah, that's the shitty Supreme Court justice. Oh, yeah. oh, my bad. Uh, I can't. Re- his name is what is his name? I can't recall. He, but the guy that was supposed to be Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's playing um, Thomas. He is he the only actor? And you guys, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, is he the only actor to ever play two different roles in the same? like universe of characters like this it's a batman movie or it's a it's not a batman movie but it's a movie that you know takes place in that same world and 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 frame is he this the only character to do that or the only actor to do that what else has he been in so he was in the dark knight rises he was the um uh brett wait, brett cullen is the guy brett name. cullen wait was he that guy Maybe I'm bucking out. I thought he was no, in the Dark he was a, he was a yeah, he he's a congressman. He was. Okay, cool. I'm not yeah. bugging out. Yeah. He he was also in uh Ghost Rider. Wow, interesting. 
So, so your question is: Has there any been so ever been someone who's played two characters in the same universe, two different characters? Yeah, and I'm not talking about like a like a Johnny Human Human Torch uh, Captain America thing, right? You right, know? right. The only other example I can think of. Wait, wouldn't this be analogous to the Human Torch Captain America thing though? Because this isn't technically in the same universe. No, no, because like th- what I'm talking about would be similar to if Chris Evans played Captain America, but also played like Captain America if Marvel didn't own him, and then Red Skull, for example, when Marvel got Later. him. Yeah. The only the only example I can think of is cheating, and it would be Paul Bettany as both Jarvis and then Vision, but that's like right an evolution yeah. of a character in the MCU, but like. I kind of. I do feel like it's happened before, but I I can't put my finger yeah. on what it is. But trailer looks good. Uh, looking forward to the movie. October fourth is when it will be out. So I do want to talk about Shazam and how it's performing right now. We are going to review the movie here in just a moment. But um, as of now, so the movie you know it's been out a couple days only for us. Um, as of now, they're they're suggesting deadline is that it will have that it will pull in uh fifty three point seven million dollars this weekend. Shit! Wow. <laughs> Not bad. Does that yeah? That seems low, doesn't it? Or does it, it seems a little low? Yeah. I mean, we've I feel like we've seen movies do this. You know, like movies that are that are you know. People are excited for, but not necessarily that excited for. Like, what was I, what was Aquaman's opening weekend? Oh man, way more than that. Yeah, <laughs> like a lot, a lot more. Six sixty-seven million. Okay, so not that much more. Yeah, and Less and it I could thought. still. I mean, that's just a projection. Right, it could do. It more. could, yeah, it could. It could definitely do more. Could do less. There is good buzz, there, so that helps. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. To compare comparison, Captain Marvel open opened at one fifty three, one fifty three million, right? Which not necessarily surprising. Marvel is obviously a lot more popular. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I was just trying to gauge like where that was on on like yeah. the, the scale. Like, should that be more? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, it doesn't sound like it well, really. We're going to answer the question. I mean, we can't answer should it be more, but we're going to answer whether or not we think the movie deserves more uh, and how good we think the movie actually is here in our review. It's time to review Captain Mu- No. No. Damn it! No, Sean! Why? <laughs> See, it feels good, doesn't it? Fuck. No, it feels bad. Um, I, hate, I hate myself for having done that, but, you know. Welcome um, to the Comics Pals, my friend. Welcome to the Comics Pals. <laughs> and in that moment, Sean really became the host of the Comics Pals. <laughs> so we're here to review Shazam. Hopefully you guys have seen it by now. If you haven't, we do do a spoiler-free section, so we'll talk about the movie a little bit. Um, spoiler-free, just so you guys can get our take and then go check it out and come back, hopefully, and listen to our spoiler-filled take. But before we do that, we do want to play a little bit of a game that we always do here with these films where I get you guys to guess the tomato meter score and the audience score 
from Rotten Tomatoes. I got nervous. I thought you weren't going to do it. No, no. We always we have to. <laughs> uh, so who wants to get started? Tomato meter and audience score. Uh, I will say tomato meter 91 because I do remember preliminary audience preliminary scores were high and I'm going to say the fan reaction has been good I'm going to say 88 for uh, audience alright I think I'm going to go the other way I think I'm going to say 88 87 for the tomato meter and 82 for the audience I'm going to split the difference and go 90 for critical review and 95 for audience review. I'm going to be a little bullish on it. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. I think people liked it. All right. Positive buzz. All right. So uh, the tomato meter score was actually a 91. Oh, shit. What up, baby? Marco hitting that right on the head. And then that was awesome, Marco. (laughs) You did that recently, too, didn't you? Where you guessed one exactly right? Yeah. Damn. All right, man. Motherfucker cheats. And then the uh, audience score was a 90. Oh. Okay. Wait. So what did you guys do? I said 95. So Kale's closest on that one, I think? I said it like 82 for the audience score. Marco oh, 88. Wins. Yes. Yeah, Marco yes. wins. Ha ha. Easy, clean victory. I think he cheats. <laughs> what? Mar- Can you imagine? Marco looks it up in the bathroom on our break. <laughs> I, I don't go to the bathroom in the breaks, man. I can hold my shit. He just sat here. That's true. He could have looked it up while he was looking me dead in the eyes, though. He He's goes, crafty <laughs> like that. He, goes, he, he takes his phone into the bathroom and pee and texts while he pees. so let's jump right into it uh shazam i think a movie a lot of people have been looking forward to i personally had a lot of questions about this movie and where the quality would lie and uh, stuff like that spoiler free what did you guys make of the film the performances the the you know the cinematography all that jazz i really liked it uh i thought that um like from a, a overall just enjoyment factor, it's a lot of fun, and I think a movie about a superhero like Shazam should be fun. It is, after all, the story of like a kid getting superpowers, and I think you know that's like that should be lighthearted, right? Like it should be upbeat, and I think this movie like had a couple surprisingly dark turns, but overall, it was very fun. And it it had, like, a very, like, it had a, a youthful energy to it, you know? And um, I thought it was really funny. There was a lot of really good, successful comedy beats. And I thought they established a really good uh, dynamic between Billy and Freddy, you know? Um, they I thought that the two actors who played, um, you know, I don't remember either of the young boys' names, but the both of the child actors, as well as um, uh, Zachary Levy, like they had great chemistry. Levi, you know Zachary Levi. I'm not. Oh, Levi. I'm sorry, not doing this whole review with you saying Zachary Levy. Uh, Whatever. Sorry. Asher Angel is Billy Batson, and Thank Jack you. Dylan Grazer is Freddie. Yeah, and uh, I thought the three of them did a really good job of anchoring it. But I thought that the rest of the supporting cast was really, really good too. Um, and uh, as far as like villains go, he's definitely a little bit like 
uh, basic, but Savannah. Savannah, yeah, uh, was is 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 a little basic, but I think he fit the role that he needed to fill really well because he raises the stakes, you know, um, in a way that makes it not just feel like just a a lighthearted romp you know it, it raised the stakes enough for act three to have uh some gravitas you know and 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 that's solid so overall i i honestly think that this is probably my favorite dceu movie um like i i think that the highs of wonder woman are higher but i don't like it 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 did not have a good third act. And I think Shazam sticks the landing and it's not a perfect ending. Like there are things about it that are predictable or, or basic, but overall, like it, it knows what it wants to be and what it, and what it's trying to say. And it does those things really well. And I think it, it like captures the spirit of, of the, the comic that it's based off really well. I, I agree that it was fun. I don't agree that it was super enjoyable from an like an execution standpoint. Like I had a really? good time with some of like some of the bits and and you can definitely feel to your point Pete like the youthful nature of it, but I don't feel like it was the the overarching theme which was family was pushed through very well. I I didn't feel the connection between the the ancillary characters because that's very much what they felt like even though they were supposed to be that family um they the the comedy tropes uh i think were super just like they didn't help to elevate the the film at all or like the comedy aspect of it uh, a lot of it was just kind of like oh this is gonna happen and then boom it it, it happened and it, it wasn't like it wasn't funny in that in that way, just because you were obviously you obviously knew what was going to happen in the, in the next scene to make that bit light light, and I think that that sort of brought down the for me the comedy aspect. I do agree that overall it was a very lighthearted movie in the sense that you know it's about a boy discovering powers and 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 trying to explore that, uh, but to me it was just it it felt kind of generic. It's not where superhero movies are anymore um you know it they've we've had 20 plus years of of movies and this felt like a like a 2000s kind of film you know and and i and and that's not to say that you can't execute a 2000s film well i don't think that in in 2019 this was the kind of film that you could have you would have led a shazam movie with um it Again, that was obviously just the way that they that they executed it, and I think that it could have been done a bit. There could have been more done to showcase that message to to really to really push to the fact that this is about family. Um, and we'll get into like the like the actual like details of that. Uh, and then I I agree the the villain was pretty generic. He he obviously fit his role and he. He fit that, and like to your point, to elevate the stakes. Um, yeah, he's serviceable, uh, but but I, I don't know that that's what these kind of films need anymore. I um, and um, and and yeah, and then uh, a lot of it just at some point became too comic booky and not 
and obviously not not to say that that's a bad thing but i'll i went with marina and i usually use her as a temperature check of like hey you know you're obviously not into superheroes but if the movie's good you're going to enjoy it right and the temperature check there was like three quarters of the way she turns to me she goes this is dumb and uh, I, I mean that's not going to be my take on it but like if she's not enjoying it from a movie perspective let alone a superhero perspective then i don't know how other general audiences might react to it and obviously we're still kind of early along the the cycle of the the film it's only been out like three four days uh and we'll see if that changes if it doesn't cool people enjoyed it and that's awesome um but i don't know i wasn't here for it as much as as uh it sounds like you might have been pete what about you kale uh i actually am very similar to marco um I I enjoyed the fact that this film was more geared toward families, but for me, that tone, especially in scenes with Savannah, that tone felt very split. Um, I've seen comparisons of of like sort of darker family movies, like The Goonies, and that comparison, I I. I could I could jive with okay yeah but I in in that tone it, it just it, it didn't quite hit it for me um I think I, I I think I agree with Marco I think I think a lot of the family was very underserved um I wanted to see a lot more of Mary um especially as Mary Marvel, um, because it felt, um, that's spoiler, so I'm not going to say that, um, but, uh, but the toys are out, so whatever, um, uh, 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 I also, I didn't like Zachary Levi, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into the nuance of that later, but he, it, it for me it didn't feel like the age of kid he was portraying matched the age of kid that the actor who was actually the kid was um and we can we can talk about that later but um yeah so that so actually Zachary Levi's performance really got in the way of a lot of it for me um um i i kind of found the uh, the I found Freddy kind of annoying, especially toward the end. Um, I don't I don't want to say I didn't like it because that feels too strong, but it's definitely not something I'm gonna watch again. And um, I if this is the direction DC's movies are going. I'm cool with it, but they're probably not going to be for me, and I think that's fine uh, because I'm an adult. <laughs> like, you know, I can watch other movies. You know, if 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 they're if they're looking to make like Dunstan checks in levels of movies, then cool. I'm that's fine. 
So um, I had a lot of fun with this movie. Uh, it's it's you know it's it's really 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 enjoyable from that perspective of like I mean it's extremely funny. Mm. Um, my particular audience was laughing almost the entire time, and uh, I love being a part of that. Um, but I don't think it was actually too good. Um, I. I didn't go into the movie with a ton of high expectations. I was probably the only person on this podcast who wasn't into it that much based on the trailer. Um, and the trailer pretty much outlined exactly what I thought the movie was going to be. And it, it ended up being that. Uh, I really, really was frustrated by the villains. Dr. Savannah, the seven yeah. deadly sins. Like, yeah. Did not like the seven deadly sins. Yeah, that was that was really 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 bad, um, and that reminded me of like two thousands superhero movies where you get like these, you know, completely irrelevant goon type characters that serve no purpose other than you know spoiler right like it'll it'll it makes more sense when we can talk about the full scope of the movie but the seven deadly sins are are there for a particular reason and that reason doesn't even work when it happens they're cgi goons yeah um <laughs> and and then to make matters worse their personalities aren't represented so what was the point mm, they could yeah. have been anything yeah and, and I, I that was i think one of the biggest problems too is that the presentation of them as both like they're in control pulling all the strings but they're also like they have no personality and they also seem like mindless goons that are being commanded it's like it felt dissonant you yeah. know um and then uh when it comes to Dr. Savannah I really liked him during uh Jeff John's run he didn't do like he didn't do a ton of stuff, but I liked what they showed. This was just not that character in a lot of ways, and you know, we'll talk more about him later. Um, I loved the family stuff. I thought all that was was you know really good. Um, sometimes I felt like the movie was too cutesy, and maybe that's because I'm not the right person. I'm not the target, but there were moments where it got to be too much and where it undercut what was supposed to be a serious moment or where characters were in danger, maybe, and stuff like that. Uh, but I definitely, like, it's a weird one because the the response from from audiences and critics, as we outlined earlier, has been largely positive. Um. And so it's it's one of those things where it's like, all right, maybe I just missed something. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm honestly surprised that you guys are all so critical because I I can see where you're coming from with some of the stuff, but I, there there are certain things that you've pointed out where it's like because it's like like Zachary Levi's performance like not working for you, Kale, is like a thing where it's like, well, that you know that makes sense, right? Like that's always a possibility. Um, but I, I guess just some of the things that you guys called out i i i'm surprised you feel that way all right i so, i'm ahead. not surprised about the way this is shaped shake that this is shaped out i this was exactly how i thought it was gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everybody else is gonna be like meh and oh. pete's gonna be like 
Oh, I don't get it. What's uh, what's the big deal? I liked it. Let let's um let's jump into spoilers because I, I do I do want to have that conversation that that Pete is alluding to. Um, but before we do that, let's just give give a quick rating so that we can you know cap it for people who need to jump off. For me, I and man, I hope nobody tries to guess my scale because I genuinely have no idea what I've rated other things before. <laughs> Dude, I've been thinking about that since last night. I, because I, I feel like I feel like I put like Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok right around each other, and I don't think <laughs> if like that feels weird to me. Yeah. Uh, so for me, for me, I'm gonna go like a four out of ten. Oh, damn! Holy shit! But Yo, I'm gonna that, I'm gonna do a six. That like, said, that said, I I know that on this show I have never rated anything a ten out of ten. Mm. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm sticking with six out of ten. I think I'm also gonna go with a six. I, I'd say it's like a solid, like, like a like a, a eight, maybe a like a eight, like two, but definitely not a eight five. That's like weird. it's good. It's good. It's it's not great. That's like, wild because I I know that I said Black Panther was like a seven for me. <laughs> seven. That's I'm pre- insane. I'm pretty sure that's what I said. All right, so let's jump into let's jump into the, the spoiler conversation. Hopefully, you guys that didn't see the movie yet will come back and join us for this portion. And if you don't, we'll see you next week. Um, so, Pete, you were trying to drive a conversation about the differences between some of the stuff that we, you know, called out and some of the stuff where you're like, "Well, that's not." You were surprised. What are those things you're surprised by? Uh, specifically what Marco said, actually, um, about, like, the execution, because I think for me, really, the only thing that it didn't, like, that made it not work, I feel like, on a, um, on, like, uh, a major narrative level, right, are the criticisms that we outlined about the villain, right, I think those are uh, clear and obvious, you know, he's serviceable at best. Um, as far as like the family stuff, I don't necessarily agree that the theme of the movie is, is like family per se. Like, I think like it's, it's more about like Billy trying to, like, he's longing for something, you know, he's searching for something to fill a hole and it's not realizing that he already had that. Like, I think the family is that thing, but I wouldn't necessarily argue that like family quote unquote is the theme of the movie. Like in the same way that I think that's kind of true about like. Um, like Guardians versus Guardians 2. You know, it's more about the family, like him finding that place rather than like exploring that dynamic. I think that's something we'll see a lot more in the sequel, you know? Um, so for, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, uh, no, that's, uh, I, that, that's a good point. I, I guess for me, since the ultimate goal was for him to fill that hole and to fill that hole with the family, I don't feel that the family... Or, or that he filled it with a family. I don't think that that family aspect shone because or shined through because like Pedro gets four lines, I think, and uh, you yeah. know you, you don't you don't get an understanding how he interacts with other characters and, or and that's the, generous. Yeah the the Asian kid was the Asian kid was oh he's Asian he's a young Gen Z kid he plays video games so like that's his thing and then Mary you get her first interaction is. I'm trying to get into college and then your next interaction is I'm sad because I'm thinking about leaving my family and you're supposed to care because we interacted at some point and like that I don't think worked 
as to serve that purpose to your point it's about him trying to fill that hole but if it's to fill that hole with his family i don't think that the family was actually there well and i i know you're and you're right like they're not the focus but i think the thing is that for much of the movie that isn't billy's focus billy's focus is finding his his birth mother and it's when he realizes that 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 isn't that it isn't what he built it up to be you know is like when he opens himself up to like really realizing that there are other people that care about him you know and like that's kind of why like i agree with what you're saying i just don't feel like that matters to like really the core narrative structure of the movie as much because that's that's the exact same criticism we lobbed at uh the comic on the the book the book club you know and i think it's it's equally true here we're like Pedro and like you said the Asian kid and you know it's like and the the parents like they're all just kind of like the family is like one character you know and like Freddy is his own character and like everybody else is kind of globbed together and like I imagine we'll explore those like individual dynamics more as the story progresses you know just, just, so like just so we can stop calling him the Asian kid his name was Eugene I was oh, thank you. Thank that you. Too, yeah. um, um, also, I don't know if you guys noticed uh, Eugene when he became a Shazam. Yeah, that was uh, Pete Marco specifically. Uh, he was uh, Reggie from uh, R- Riverdale. Oh, oh cool. shit! I didn't realize that was him. Yep, that's neat. <laughs> all right, that's funny. That's pretty cool. That's cool. My favorite of all the the transitions was um, uh, oh shoot. Um, the the oh okay yeah Darla, yeah, yeah she turns yeah. into Megan Good like oh my <laughs> god who is that Darla was the the young black girl no no I, yeah I know who Darla who's was Megan who's Megan Good, Good? Oh, she's the hot hot oh, okay actress. she uh she was she nailed that performance for sure she was Dude, fantastic. I thought she was tremendous when when she when she catches that person and she's like I caught you yeah like, that, that killed me <laughs> both both versions of Darla I really yeah. really liked she yeah, yeah. was good she actually was the best of all of them I think at mm-hmm. portraying the age that they were supposed to be I agree yeah, yeah. I, I thought her character across the board worked really well um yeah. so you know like. Again, for me, like that's an example of like where there there are things about that dynamic that work enough to like get it across, you know? Um, because I think the real core emotional beat is the relationship between Billy and Freddie, you know, more than anything else. Um, but uh, so that 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 I guess is more like the thing I'm most surprised by is that like that was such an issue for you. I, I see what you're saying. It just like for me that wasn't really like the what the the bulk of the movie was focused on like doing and that's why i actually think that as cool as it was that the reveal was kind of like you know oh the like the whole marvel family's here for the final battle like isn't that cool i was like oh like that's hype but i thought that that didn't really work for me um because because they go from this was uh like marco you said the thing about like kind of like gauging like talking to your girlfriend about it to gauge like how a non-initiated person would react to it. And she was like, that was the thing that, that didn't work for her the most was that like, it doesn't make sense that Billy had to train the whole movie to learn how to use his powers and the rest of them figure it out like right away. Uh, actually her, her, uh, her biggest criticism was, hold on a second. 
where her parents they should be freaking out that those kids <laughs> have been gone for like hours that was her big thing she's like that was the biggest plot hole for me I no they like, were oh. looking for them they come home and they're like where are they like and then they go to look <laughs> yeah they did a great job <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can really tell they care <laughs> I feel I feel like that criticism of the Marvel family speaks to Marco's point the the biggest problem with that whole sequence is that it doesn't feel earned. Those characters yes. don't they're nothing. So when that happens it's like, "Oh, all right." Like and then and then the other issue, obviously for me as a reader, like I already knew it was going down that road, but if you aren't a reader, it's like, "Okay, why did that happen like that? Why did that work? What are the mechanics of this? Nothing is explained. And then also, to be honest, it doesn't even feel like they really needed that for him to win because the deadly sins don't do anything. So, like, I could I could conceive of a scenario where Shazam could have won without them needing to be involved. My thing is, uh, the only thing that I felt like happened was that him giving them superpowers made it so that they were not vulnerable and they couldn't be used against him. And I don't think that was what was supposed to be the implication. It was like, we beat him as a team. But I, I agree with you. Like, I felt like if they just were not there, he could have done it. You know? Yeah. And that that made it feel contrived. Like, they really wanted to get the Marvel family in. So they constructed a way to make that happen. And that sucks, especially because, again, the seven deadly sins weren't formidable. So... If, if they had been, like, real menacing and, like, there was a need and you could pair them off with particular kids, like, you could pair off whoever with whoever in a way that's like, okay, this deadly sin reflects the kid's personality and they have to get through this, that would have been cool. But because that doesn't exist, it's like, well, why? Why are they doing this? Yeah, I mean, like, literally what happens, too, right, is they get superpowers and they all just, like, tangle with them for a few minutes and save a couple people while Billy does the heavy lifting. Which is fine, but it's like, why did you even have to give them superpowers then? You know, like, you could have just left them in their kid forms and they run around and then, like, even if the implication was, like, Billy realizes he can give them powers and that's the next movie, okay, great. Like, you know, but I, I, I did feel like that, I think unearned is, is accurate, you know? Well, for me, so, from this point of the conversation, I want to talk about, like, um, Black Adam. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if you guys noticed, but Dwayne Johnson was uh, credited as an as a producer on this film. Yep. Yeah. I feel like he is the only reason this movie got made, and for me, that was probably because they're saving him for the sequel. He's getting his own movie. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Oh man, God. <laughs> that was a quick uh quick change Fuck. uh if it's anything like this i don't know man um i just i feel like you know what they what they tell so when you pitch a comic book they tell you to take your like take your idea and make it work in one story right uh, that you know this is a, a film whatever right um and not to drag it out because there's always a chance that if you don't tell that story, uh, you know, which is your story, 
in one shot, you might not get it. I feel like with this film, like they could have brought Black Adam in and just like Zack Snyder watchman it and slavishly copied the, the comic book and it would have worked fine. You think so? I, yeah, I, that, I, I really do because I, I felt like Savannah was a watered down Black Adam. Okay, maybe that's fair. I don't know. I, I think like it's interesting to me that I think why I'm so surprised that you specifically kill are so critical is that you liked the comic that it's based off and you didn't love it but you liked it and i like i feel like if black adam's the main villain like the fact that they all know how to fight him and are powerful enough to clown him out is like a thing that doesn't make any sense but the the family doesn't fight black adam the family fights the seven deadly sins and savannah barely savannah and Billy goes to tangle with Black Adam. I feel like that would have worked a lot better because Savannah, like Savannah, was just uh, diet Black Adam. You can tell that this movie originally included Black Adam. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I guarantee you that there that the original script included Black Adam. We are well. We already know that that's a fact. But like, even that aside. What in what world? Like they, you can tell what what they pulled from. They pulled from the the Shazam comic that Jeff Johns wrote. At no point is Savannah doing the type of stuff he was doing in this movie. No. So that other, was other other than looking for the symbols and seeing the symbols and shit, and and yeah. that's it. And right. then he got well, the yeah. cool eye, right? Yeah, right. And like he's very much portrayed as like the equal to Shazam, and like. Obviously, that's Black Adam. Exactly. Um, And so I think Black Adam's presence, The Rock's presence, right? Black Adam's character would have provided a counterpoint in a similar way. Not exactly the same, but similar in my mind to like Green Goblin, to Spider-Man, you know? And I don't think that there was that for Shazam. So it felt like it, it cheapened him a little bit. Black Adam... Like, in the comic, Black Adam is super serious, right? Which offsets Shazam's playfulness. In the movie, Dr. Savannah is the butt of jokes sometimes. Yep. So Most he, of the time. Yeah. So he's a part of the silliness, which makes him less threatening, especially because I already didn't take him that serious. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think part of it, too, is like I don't really understand why they couldn't have used him. I think that this was a situation where they were trying to get more blood out of the stone, you know? I No, I absolutely agree. But I think, like, I man, they could have used Zachary Levi and The Rock as, like, like that would have made dynamite. Um, I, think, I think if you'd have taken two or three minutes out of uh, Billy giving somebody a wedgie, and given like Black Adam's origin story from the the point of view of you know how we get it in the book, and then substituted the the big fight with Savannah, like I think I think that really would have worked, and I think I think it would have been really good. Well, first of all, Billy never gave anyone a legend. Well, um, second of all, <laughs> you yes, shut your fucking me. mouth. Oh, that's um, right. <laughs> Thanks, Marco. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, the other thing is that like if you downgrade 
Sylvanas, you get that time back yeah. that you spent on his yeah, backstory. Absolutely. Right, to introduce more of Black Adam. Now, I, I don't want to. I don't want to spend this entire review dunking on the movie. There are some things that I uh, that I liked, and, and I like to talk about. You know, some more positive elements. Go ahead. Can I can I throw my uh, Zachary Levi thing in real quick because I, sure. I do kind of want to explain it. Uh, I felt like Zachary. So like, I felt like Billy Batson should have been like maybe ten or twelve. Uh, I didn't feel like like they say. He's like 15. They say Billy Batson's like 15. I didn't feel like Zachary Levi was being a 15-year-old. It felt For me, it felt like he was being a... What a 40-year-old man thinks a 15-year-old is. Oh, Fortnite and flossing and <laughs> I scream all the time and all my words are the same. You can't ever tell. I don't inflect. I, I think there was a uh, dissonance initially for me where like he first became... Uh, Zachary Levi and he was like freaking out like that sort of made sense but then the stuff afterwards where he kind of leaned in with um, with Freddie felt a little distant because when he wasn't there he was kind of like or he, when he wasn't uh, adult Shazam when he wasn't Shazam he would like kind of keep Freddie at arm's length but when he was the uh, when he was Shazam he would be like a lot more interactive with him I see that but I think I think that worked fine for me, uh, but I see where you're coming from with with respect to it feeling different from the two characters that we have. Um, yeah, I I actually I don't think I felt as as negatively about Zachary Levi's performance. I I like what he did. I I, I thought there were moments where I was like, yeah, you know, is this is he really portraying a 15 year old right now? But overall, I I did like what he brought to the movie and. Um, like I get the criticism and I think they're I think they're valid but when it comes to bringing the funny moments and stuff like that I thought he nailed that stuff um and by that point like after the parts where he was learning his powers after that stuff was over I felt like there was a shift but I felt like the whole movie shifted and I actually just simply wasn't enjoying it as much so I wasn't as like critical of him at that point because i was already i was already over that like i already got it and i was done with it yeah i think for me um i i don't i don't necessarily exactly agree with what kale laid out but i think i feel sort of similarly where i feel like his performance was inconsistent because there are times where i felt like like there there are definitely scenes where I feel like it's it's just right. And then there are times where I feel kind of more aligned with Kel's criticism, where it feels like um, a grown man acting like a kid rather than a kid, you know? Um, but there are a few moments where I think he nails it. And uh, I agree with you, Sean, that I think it's a lot of the, the comedy is where it really lands. Like, I think... Um, the scene that we saw in the trailer, right? Where, like, they, they the convenience store... And then they get the beer and then they spit it out and go get the junk food and come back out. And he's like, oh, hey, I'm a superhero. Like, we should hang out sometime. Like, that, I feel like there are beats like that where it it works. And I think it's mostly, like, I, I agree with you, Sean, during the first half of the movie, during, like, the training sequences and when they're, like, making the YouTube videos and stuff where I'm like, yeah, like, this 
this dynamic, these these beats feel like it's it's right. But when he was kind of off on his own in the second act, and then like when they're getting back together in the third act, there are some times where uh just even like his delivery, I remember felt like this doesn't feel like the same cadence as young Billy. You know, and it was less that like he even didn't feel like a kid, but more like he didn't feel like the same kid. You know? Yeah, like I think I think that um Asher Angel's performance needed to be and I mean look, I have no idea how they how they put this together from that perspective, but like his performance needed to be the thing that Zachary Levi pulled from, not the other way around and not yes. separate. Like yeah. he needed to observe him and copy him rather than doing anything else. But th- but another point, it's not a huge surprise to me in reflection that Megan Good was the best at portraying a child because the the youngest one of them all was the 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 child that she had to become. So like it's easier if you know as an actor I would imagine to see the differences between yourself as an adult and a child like a little kid versus an angsty teenager and you as an adult male. Like there's like yeah there's a gulf obviously we're all different than we were as teenagers but we're way different than we were as children and it's probably easier to extract that i also think that there is a problem specifically with us at our age and and even zachary levi at his age um kind of judging how a gen zer acts because I think we have a perception of what they're like, and then there's the reality of what they're like. Because, like, and, and, like, not to, um, and I, I mean this at all of us, not to, like, throw Kale under the bus, but he said something that stuck out to me where he's like, oh, like, Fortnite, flossing, LOL, like, whatever. It's like, my cousin has two kids, and, like, I've literally seen one of her kids do that. You know, so it's like, I think there are, like, parts of it that are caricature and then parts of it that might feel caricature because none of us really know kids that age and are not that connected to their culture. So, like, it, I feel like it's it's so, like, nebulous even to, like, talk about what it's like to act like a preteen, especially, like, a 14-year-old, rather than, that's like, a, a 17-year-old that, or a 6-year-old. A 14-year-old isn't a preteen, my dog. You're right. Yeah, I just mean like in that that range, I guess, like the young teenager to like, you know what I mean? Like that's such. But a- even then, the call wasn't to act like a Gen Zer. The call was to act like Billy Batson, and who Billy Batson is is clearly defined. The problem is that Zachary Levi isn't always playing that character. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, th- I, th- I think that's that's exactly right. And that's and that's what I'm saying. Like I have a I have a ten year old sister. I have a nine year old uh, cousin, um, and then uh, a thirteen year old cousin who's just hitting puberty. Uh, and I say that specifically because Asher Angel as Billy Batson felt more like a moody teenager that has hit puberty, as opposed to the nine and ten year olds I know who are all about Fortnite, are all about trying to get the attention, you know, with, and, and I'm not saying that as a value thing. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stand here and do flossing and make everybody laugh. Yeah. And Fortnite. Also, I feel like, 
I I feel like Asher felt like an older kid than Shazam did. Like I feel like Shazam was yeah. often acting younger that's, than Asher felt. Yeah, that's my point. That's right. Precisely yeah. it. Yeah. So we're on the same page. It's it's just like I guess the nuances of of, of some of it. So uh, I I want to move on from this. Um, there were some parts where I really feel like the movie hit on stuff that you, we've never quite seen in a superhero movie before and maybe there are there are examples but none that stick out to me and this is where i like the movie the most um so first of all shazam being a child in a grown man's body um made it so that there are things you could do you can't do with say like batman or spider-man so the fact that he runs away from savannah instead of trying to fight him that i really love that he could be a coward like that he could be afraid and didn't have to I mean eventually he 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 you know decides to fight him but like he could be afraid and didn't have to fight through that he lived in his fear you know mm-hmm. um yeah. that's not something that you really ever see in comic book movies and I loved that but then there was another moment where he's actually finding the the places where him and Savannah are similar where um, he's kind of saying, like, Savannah's... I, I forget exactly how it went down, but it's something to the effect of Savannah telling him, like, you know, I was told I was never good enough, whatever. And um, uh, uh, Billy's like, oh, I, I went through that. Like, I, I, I know what you mean. I sympathize or whatever. And I can't really think of a, a particular moment in a superhero movie other than maybe Spider-Man 2, I guess, where the hero is not even trying to fight. He's just like, hey, man, I know how you feel. Like, And I think that that's what a kid would do in a lot of ways. Like, Obviously, Billy is more than just a kid. He's been through a lot of stuff. And he's more understanding of how he feels about things than most kids. But I just love that his his immediate solution wasn't to punch him in the face. Yeah. There's like there's an altruism there, you know. Like he he says a thing where he's like, they're, "Like can't you see they're using you?" You know, right. like you don't you don't have to. It doesn't have to be this way, you know. Yeah. Um. And and it feels different than how that would work out for like a Wonder Woman or a Superman. Anybody, you know. You know. Pretty much. Yeah. Because yeah. because it also he's vulnerable in a way that they aren't. Yeah. But and we talked about this, you know. That that's what happened. He does that to Black Adam in in the book. Yep. Which you know, which is is also why I say you know they might as well have copied the book shot for shot. I I would argue uh, I would argue that it's more like it works more in the book because of the fact that that's how he defeats him. Like he plays off of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, but, I'm saying I'm I'm saying had they put Black Adam in this, I think that. That that would have worked. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, but I think that in in film, it's probably harder. Like I felt sympathy on some level for Savannah, not as an adult, because as an adult that was awful. But the child version of him, and I could put that. I could put that into the adult body when they were talking, when they were having that conversation. I could re- I could recall him as a kid. I don't know if I could do the same thing if it was Black Adam standing there and they were having the same conversation. Because Savannah was so, like, inept and inefficient that I saw the child inside of him. Whereas with Black Adam, he's... Yeah, Yeah, in the book, Black Adam was the adult. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Because, like, even... uh, Sylvanas is, like, very... Like, he, he's childish in a lot of ways, you know? Like, the, the first thing that he does when he gets power is, is strike back at his his brother for, you know, something that happened, like, decades ago at that point, you know? And it's like, that's not... Um, he, he's so uh, obsessed and power-hungry and, like, in, in a way that, like, he's scary and imposing because he knows what he's doing and he's smarter than Billy because he's a fucking adult. Um, but he's vulnerable in a way that black Adam couldn't be. Yeah. Um, speaking of Savannah, I, I did want to talk about his origin, like what they crafted. Um, and I actually really liked it because I like the fact that even though he is a child and even though we see that he's bullied by his dad and his brother, um, or, well, his dad is just not, he's just ignorant. Um, I like the fact that even with that, he wasn't he wasn't invulnerable to the whispers of the seven deadly sins just because he was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I like the implication mm-hmm. that it's about who you are, not about your age or anything like that. That just being bullied doesn't make you this great person. You know, he was susceptible. And even Billy, uh, I remember my girlfriend, she was confused because she thought that the wizard had to choose someone who was worthy. And she didn't see how Billy was worthy. And I was explaining that that was the wizard's condition to start. But by the end, the wizard, who actually, I don't know if you guys caught this, but the wizard is Korath from Captain Marvel and from Guardians. And I have opinions about that, I'll tell you what. Cool. Uh, That the the wizard chose Billy out of desperation, not because he was a worthy person. He actually becomes worthy... When he chooses his family, I think. I, yeah, um, but I, I also feel like what the movie was telling us was that a person with a pure heart wouldn't think they have a pure heart, and that's why, and that's why Shazam chose him. You feel like he chose him? I, okay, all right. Like that—that that was his logic. Like and mm. that's that's what I can see that. that's what immediately triggered it because everyone else was like, "Oh shit, yeah, okay." And Billy was like, "Nah, I don't want that." All right. See, I I I'm more aligned with Sean where I don't feel like I feel like it was a move that was made out of like I have no more options and I, you seem I, you're good right. Enough. I you're I, I I agree with that, but I'm saying but that I, I the the film's implication is what you're saying in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that too. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, like I, his origin worked really well for for me, and I I so wish that they had continued to develop him because, like, as an adult, we don't know what he does for a living, right? Like, we he, he's he's Doctor Savannah, but Doctor of what, really? Um, yeah, like, why does he have all this money and resources? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then he yeah. and then like <laughs> as soon as he gets his powers, like the first thing he does. The first thing he does is go buy some cool clothes. <laughs> he, like, he, doesn't he dresses even... up like Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> well, yeah. Went, Yo, like, real quick. Can that we cool talk about jacket. that? Yeah, that jacket was dope. Uh, I, I don't remember the actor's name um, who played mm-hmm. Silvana, but like. Mark Strong. Mark Strong. 
thank you. He did a great job, I thought. Like, the yeah. character was written thin, but he was scary and imposing. Like, when he was on screen, um, that boardroom scene was fucking grisly. That was his best scene. Yeah, and I thought that was fucking wild, because it was so, like... Like, and then when that woman, like, disintegrated, too, like, those moments were so, like, it reminded me of Invincible, where it's, like, everything's, like, oh, it's, like, it's, like, normal, and, like, yeah, maybe there's some, like, fighting, and it's, like, violent or whatever, but it's, like, all of a sudden, like, something really fucked up happens, and you're, like, oh, my God, shit. Yeah, like- <laughs> and that's that's kind of why my my criticism about the tones is sort of, like, it it seems to try to go both ways, specifically because of that scene, like, that shit was pretty intense and like i i don't like i'm you know i'm no film writer but like that doesn't seem like it would be in a regular family movie you know where you i think that's where you see a guy fly through a window out of a skyscraper like i mean i don't i i don't agree um i think that like both of those things happened in the first two spider-man movies and i saw those when i was a child there's the scene in spider-man 2 where doc ock's arms like literally murder a bunch of doctors and the green goblin throws pumpkin bombs at all of his old all of the board members and you see them they literally disintegrate, disintegrate. <laughs> yeah it's, it's exactly the same thing you know like i i i i think that that dissonance like that works you know because like yeah like they're it's captain marvel and it's it's corny like he's a corny character it's not captain you know marvel. like sorry shazam uh, Shazam, the, that, that, the property is corny, like, it's golden age, and it's, it's that thing, but, like, I think Sylvanas, like, that scene God is what- damn it, Pete. <laughs> Say it right. Oh, whatever, I don't, I don't care. This whole fucking- <laughs> What is it? Say it again. Sivana. Sivana. There's um, one S. There are no L's. What do you, there's no U. Sylvana. What are you doing? Sylvana. Sivana. Uh yeah, it um that that that's why I feel like he works on some level is that like he raises the stakes. You know, like it goes from being like, "Oh yeah, like I'm a kid and I have superpowers and I'm fucking making YouTube videos and and like busking." Like that's this is fun to them being like, "Shit, like there are consequences to me having these powers. Like I need to take this seriously." You know? So I wanted to talk about some of the the way that the movie looks and feels, cinematography and stuff like that. Um, I so my immediate comparison is um, Aquaman because it's the, also the most recent DC film that came out, and Aquaman wowed me several times visually. Like there were a lot of moments in the movie where I was like, "Oh my god, that looks crazy! That's so cool!" And you know. Full disclosure, I like Aquaman way more than I like this movie, and I think way more than a lot of other people did. But this movie never rose above looking solid. Like, I don't think it did anything that I... Like, there was never really a moment where I was like, oh, wow, that was crazy cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's tough because it's a smaller story. You know, like, it's... I don't know that there are as many opportunities for stuff like that. But I actually thought that the portrayal of the powers was really cool. Like, the the fights and, like, the way that they showed the way that Shazam moved when he was, like, in, in the sky and stuff like that. Or, like, that scene in the mall where there was that, that shot from, like, 
the bottom from Billy's perspective as Sylvanas comes and whips around that corner and then levitates up. Like there was some, there was some cool imagery, you know, like I don't think that there was anything that's a standout as like, you know, no man's land in wonder in wonder woman or like, you know, um, like take your pick from, you know, the, the cream of the crop Marvel movies. Like, I don't think there's anything that works on that level, but I thought that there was a lot of fight choreography that was like unique and interesting. Like uh even some of the stuff that they did with um uh Darla, like with like the slow-mo and like they're short moments. They're not anything that's big or wild or crazy, but like there there were some cool dynamic shots. Like it didn't it's nothing that like necessarily like was like fresh though, except for I think the flying. You know, we've seen cool super speed moments before, you know? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I remember thinking to myself, man, they really haven't done a lot to set me off here. Like, it's it's just standard, standard stuff. And I thought with the with the Marvel family, um, there was maybe an opportunity there to do some cooler stuff. But I think... With the exception of Darla, no one did anything that was too cool. Um, Power-wise, it felt like they were all pretty pedestrian, and um, that was that was a bit of a bummer for me. Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I think I understand the impetus to introduce the Marvel family and like set up this cast of characters and do all those things, but I, I really do think it was a mistake to pull them out in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I had the exact same criticism of the comic where I don't think that those characters got served well. They don't, they're not, they're not fully developed, and there's too many of them. Uh, um, Mary, Freddy, and Darla just like in the comic, are the only ones who really have something to do other than Billy, obviously. And those were the ones that I was most invested in. And I feel like you could have... Not to say that you don't introduce the other ones. Maybe you you introduce them, but, you know, keep them on the back burner. Let the movie really focus on building the relationship between Billy and Freddy and then take it from there. I, I, I don't know. I But I overall don't think that bringing the Marvel family in this way was the way to go. I honestly think that they should have just brought in Captain Marvel Jr. You know, like, just have Freddy turn because Freddy is the one who gets the most focus. And if you want to, like, establish that he can pass the powers on or whatever, like, you could do that without needing to bring in the whole crew because I agree that they just didn't get enough... They didn't get enough screen time for that to feel like something that mattered. Like, it was cool for the sake of it happening, you know? But, like, that doesn't help the movie narratively or, like, make that moment feel like something special. Yeah, I feel I feel like if they would have, like, had them all sit in the wizard's thrones or whatever, that would have paid that off. You know, because the wizard consistently says, you know, my seven brothers and sisters, you know all died trying to protect blah 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 and we need a new generation of blah 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 and i feel like that would have paid that off a little bit but it just didn't yeah 
Yeah, and it's again, it's like it's not like I like didn't like it. Like I get why they did it. It was a concession made for story and for future storytelling, but like it feels lazy. With regard to uh like the the end, I think that I like that it all kind of. I actually like that it like coalesced on like a layer kind of situation. I thought that was cute because <laughs> yeah. uh, I was a fan of like Darla as a character. So that was uh. What's a layer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and as to the way it was shot, like I, I, it was, it was fine. I no, for me, I don't think there were any like glaring issues. There was anything with regard to know how the action scenes were sort of portrayed i think some of the the comedy bits in the action scenes uh like uh the first fight where billy learns to fly he's like oh my god i can fly and then he gets smacked by the by like the the truck or whatever like fine that was a good comedy bit for that scene and then uh the when they're like yelling at each other that i thought that was pretty funny yeah yeah, just and not. I think it went on too long. Like I, I think I don't. I think the bit overstayed its welcome. But where he's just like going off, and Billy's like, "Are you just like giving like a big dramatic speech right now?" Like you know, like that. That was that's that's kind of a funny. Like I like that it wasn't afraid to like be slapsticky and make fun of some of those tropes. You know, but I I don't think it always executed them super well. It all it does that at the it sacrifices its characters to do that though. Then that's my problem. Savannah looks. In what world would a villain that we're supposed to take seriously think he could be heard from that distance? Yeah, and, yeah. And I get why they did it, but okay. Well, now I think he's a complete goof. I mean, but that was his whole thing in the first place. Like, you know, he looked like a complete goof through the whole movie. Uh, but not totally, and that's the problem. Because like the the boardroom scene. If they hadn't made him the butt of a lot of jokes after that, you'd be like, oh, shit, like this guy's unhinged and, you know, sure, like, yeah, he's petulant and and maybe like a little bit childish, but like he's a force to be reckoned with. Whereas like him being dumb enough to think something like that does make you question, you know, like his intelligence. (laughs) So. I, I think that's really it. I think we've told the tale of this movie. Um, you know. Jesus. So, <laughs> uh, I'm interested to see what they do with Shazam going forward. There was uh, an after credit scene where we did see um, Mr. Mind. And so I guess that's... Is that oh, the Caterpillar? Ex- yeah. yeah. Okay, explain I, that. I was yeah. confused. I mean, there's not much to explain except that Mr. Mind is a Caterpillar that goes inside people's ears and and takes over their mind and, Whoa, and that's makes cool. them a villain um that's it he he's a you know he's a classic captain marvel villain um he's at the end of the book the jeff johns book yeah. as well and i oh right right right, right. yeah fuck i forgot about that I okay i don't even know if we've seen that pay off yet no we haven't um and and then there was also the the Superman cameo at the end of the movie. Oh yeah, which we now know what it was that um that they wanted Henry Cavill for in this movie. There was talk many many moons ago about the negotiations falling through to have him be in this. Uh, real quick, I just thought that moment 
like really sunk because we couldn't see Henry Cavill there. I I yeah I feel like it, it's a shame because I I like the idea of that moment and I I felt like it was it was a little undercut. Yeah, but all in all, uh, solid movie. I'm interested to see what happens next. And, uh, I mean, by all accounts, this is yet another movie released by Warner that the people like. So hopefully they continue to go down that road of making films that people enjoy. And, uh, you know, maybe we can get back to some, to some interconnected movies one day. That's my dream. Uh, Justice League that doesn't suck would be nice. But there was a batarang in this movie. Yeah, there was. <laughs> I thought I, yeah, one, one bit that I thought was funny uh, was the the Superman bullet? How they kept kept teasing that they were gonna pay that off. I thought that was clever. I thought that was funny. So if you've seen Shazam and want to let us know your thoughts about it, you can hit us up in a multitude of ways. I referenced many before. Uh, you can write to us at the comicspals at gmail dot com. Whatever podcast hosting platform you choose, you can write us on there and leave us a rating, whatever you feel we deserve. Um, you can get us on social media at the Comics Pals. Plenty of ways to reach out and let us know your thoughts about this or anything else that we talked about on this episode or any other episode of the Comics Pals. Let's get into some plugs, Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come find me there to talk about your thoughts on Shazam. Um, because uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about it with you. And um, you know, if you uh, want to uh you know remember to check out our book club um we've got our shazam book club is up now so if you want to go check that out uh if you're in the mood for more shazam after this please go do that and uh, make sure you tune in for infinity later this month um and then if you want to get some more content from me you can also find my work over at loopots.com uh where i do some stuff about nintendo um and also host their uh, weekly nintendo podcast the podcast so if you want to hear me talk about uh whatever's going on in the world of nintendo go tune in Kale. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at kaleward.com. That's C A L E W A R D.com. Uh, I ha- have a podcast that I do with my wife called Gone Global. Um, as I said, it's uh, also on Spotify now. It's on uh, Stitcher. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts. It's on uh, Google Play. Um, so you can stop bothering me. <laughs> and and who do you do it with? Uh, my wife. <laughs> Are you okay, uh, Marco? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Marco Animoto. Um, I am currently reading, and I think I've uh, you guys might have seen it on social. Uh, Will Eisner, uh, Dreamer in Comics. It's been a really cool historical uh, look at the man of will eiser i'm a huge fan of and um yeah like if if you guys like to sort of see the more historical side of comics from not necessarily a content perspective but like the people behind the the helm of of the uh of the stories like definitely check out this book it's it's been a lot of fun awesome as for me i am on twitter and instagram only at sean soapbox Hit me up to talk about Avengers Endgame. Let's talk theories. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye.